But it's great to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me along to come and share with you the heart and vision of this work, Christians Against Poverty. And I hope my sense and my hope today is that throughout this time we have this morning that you'll have a nudge from God on something, um, whether that be to, to be involved in a greater way in through your church, in your community, uh, whatever that may look like, but that God will nudge you this morning and, and, and speak to you about what you can be doing. As Pastor Richard said, my name is Chris Brown, and I do have a British accent. Most people, when they first hear me, think I'm from Australia. I've already had that this morning once. Um, but no, I'm from uh, the UK, grew up just outside London, and then moved to a beautiful county called Yorkshire, which is where my wife is from. And it was there that I came across the work of Christians, Christians Against Poverty back in 2008. And I was blown away when I met this group of people that were doing what I read about in my Bible, serving the poor, working with churches, but not just that, not stopping there, proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ, not being ashamed to proclaim the greatest news of Jesus Christ. And so I was blown away when I met them, and I knew that I needed to be involved in some way, so I ended up working, um, started off as a caseworker, putting together budgets for our clients uh, back in 2008. And then eventually I um, worked in a number of different roles before becoming the director of services five years ago, um, overseeing eventually a team of 50 people. And we had partnerships with over, over 600 churches in the UK at that time. And so you may be thinking, well, why, why am I here now in Canada? Last year I made the mistake of praying. And, you know, my life at the time was great. I had a great job. I loved the team I was working with. I, we had a great church community, a great community we lived in, a lovely house that we were uh, in, and everything seemed to be wonderful. But I prayed, God, is this what you have for me for the rest of my life? And I pr probably knew the answer before I prayed it, to be honest. And immediately God said, no, I'm going to prepare you to move somewhere else. And I want you to lay down everything that you're comfortable with in the UK, your friends, your wider family, your role at CAP, and be prepared because I'm going to move you to serve CAP internationally. And it was quite a clear call because I didn't want to leave the UK. So to know that God was saying you've got to leave was quite a big thing for me. And I spoke to my wife that night, so I was away on, um, with work at the time, and she said, finally, you've heard from God. She knew as a little girl that when she grew up, she would end up serving God outside of the UK. And she met me and she thought, oh, well, God's going to have to get him eventually. And God did get me eventually. And so an opportunity came up at the end of last year for a new executive director here in Canada. And I was asked to take on the role. My wife and I then sold our house, sold everything that we owned, and we arrived on the 12th of January with our two little boys and a few suitcases into what I've been told is... a uh, was a mild winter? Okay. Let me tell you, as a Brit, when you're walking to work and your, your, mind, your brain starts to feel like a slushy, that is not a mild winter. And then we've had the rainiest spring I've ever experienced, and I'm from the UK, and then a mild summer and now a warm fall. So who knows what's going on with this weather? But it's really exciting for me to be here this morning just to share with you who CAP are as you as a church explore how you can work further with us, I think it's really important that you understand the heart behind what we do and why we do it. 
And to, to help you understand that, I want, you to take, I want to take you right back to the very beginning. And at the beginning of CAP was a guy called John Kirkby, who's our founder. And back in the early 90s, John was a successful businessman. But then the UK experienced a, a, a crash in the housing market. And a number of the businesses that John was running started to fail. That then started to put pressure and debt started to spiral. And it wasn't long before John lost his job. John lost his house. And it eventually led to John losing his marriage because of debt. John knew the pain of going to a grocery store and having to hand things back through the checkout because he couldn't afford them. Or counting out every last penny. He knew what it was like to have to go, out, go without food himself so that his daughters could eat. He was living in a, in a single room in shared accommodation with his two daughters on camp beds beside him. He was a broken man who once had a lot, but all of a sudden had nothing. He knew the isolation as friends deserted him and turned their back on him. He knew the anxiety of what was that knock on the door going to mean? What was the next phone call going to be? He knew the fear, the worry, the isolation all as a result of debt. But God wasn't finished with him. God had a clear plan and purpose for his life. And through that time, the local church started to befriend John. The church leader befriended him and invited him to different events, provided food for John when he was in most need. And it wasn't long before John sat round the dinner table at the church leader's house, heard the gospel message. And round that dinner table, he yielded his life to Jesus Christ, gave his heart to Jesus. And John then went on to be baptized and gradually started to rebuild his life. He struggled as as an early Christian. I think we can all remember those days of being an early Christian, struggling along, sometimes doing the right thing, sometimes doing the wrong thing. But God continued him on this straight path. And as he rebuilt his life, he met his wife, Lizzie, that he's now with. And he, started, he got another job and managed to be able to start repaying his debts. But it wasn't long before God then spoke to him and said, In your hour of need, you cried out to me. He said, If I get you through this, you will do anything that I ask of you. And so God said, This is what I'm asking, that you give up your job, you give up your security, and you start an organization to help the poor and needy throughout your hometown of Bradford at the time, but then wider throughout the UK and eventually to go internationally. So John was obedient and sat down. He gave up his job, handed his notice in, and he sat down at his computer and typed out the words debt counselling. He knew immediately that's what God was calling him to do. And Christians Against Poverty was born. And since that time, CAP has expanded internationally, launching in Australia in 2000, in New Zealand in 2008, and then here in Canada in 2013. And in every country that we've gone to, and since the very beginning, the birth of CAP back in 1996, the mission has been very clear and has been the same. Now, our mission is this, serve the poor, save the lost, with the church across the nation. And what I want to do this morning is just unpack that a little bit for you so you have a greater understanding. To serve the poor, the Bible is very clear about God's heart for the poor 
and needy. You don't have to look far through Scripture to see God's heart so clear for the poor, the needy, the orphan, the widow, the alien, the outcast. Luke 14 said that Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. I think there's a real challenge for us in that scripture. Where are the poor in our list of priorities? Matthew 25, verse 31 to 46, a parable of the sheep and the goats. And Jesus is saying, for I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was sick and in prison and you came to visit me. I needed clothes and you clothed me. And they responded, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you sick and in prison and come to visit you? And it says there that he will respond, whatever you do, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. I think that's a really clear call for us as the body of Christ. Not only to how do we look after those within the body, but how are we looking after those within the wider community that we are part of? We read in Scripture that Jesus challenged the rich and wealthy to sell their possessions, to give to the poor. The early church in Acts sold their land, their property, their possessions, to give to those that had need. In fact, at the end of Acts 4, there's a, there's a really beautiful line that said there were no needy persons among them. Why? Because the body of Christ, the church, had been obedient in bringing their resources together so that as needs were as needs became apparent needs could be met and addressed then isaiah 58 says this is not this the kind of fasting i have chosen to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke to set the oppressed free and break every yoke is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter When you see the naked to clothe them and not turn away from your own flesh and blood. Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. You will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk. And if you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness, and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land. He will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins, and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, Restorer of streets with dwellings. This is God's heart. It was then, it is now, and it will be forevermore. And I love it in this particular passage. God uses the word if quite a lot. 
and then then. In other words, if you do this, then I will do this. I don't think it's a formula, but it is God's word. If you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry. The original translation of that passage is actually described as, translated as, if you draw out thy soul to the hungry. Which I think is a very powerful translation. If we were to draw out our soul, in other words, give of all that we have, all that we are, for the hungry. If you satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will break forth like the dawn. Then your healing will quickly appear. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. There's a challenge for us here though in this. God wants us to have the poor in our lives, in our homes, in our hearts, and in our churches. God is calling us to be the church that he intended us to be. We're young and old, rich and poor, well-dressed and unkempt, can worship God side by side with no judgment. God promises that we will be restorer of streets with dwellings in it. There is hope for our communities as we step out and be obedient to the words of God. Wouldn't you love to see restoration in your community? You can. The church can. And this is where CAP steps in. We provide tools to empower the church to reach and restore lives in their community. The second part of our mission is to save the lost. Now I want to be clear here, we're not saying that we save the lost. Salvation is a work of the Holy Spirit. However, we believe that evangelism is a partnership between us and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit convicts people and draws people closer to Jesus. But the Holy Spirit lives within us to give us strength and empower us to open our mouths to proclaim the good news of Jesus. To talk about the greatness of our God. So for us, when we say save the lost, for, it, for us, we just mean we're always going to be intentional about evangelism. So many Christian organizations start off with the best, of, best intention of being evangelistic. But then gradually it's diluted and it's diluted and it's diluted. Maybe it's funding pressure where they have to get government funding and that has certain restrictions on how they can operate. There are all sorts of things that can do that. But we are committed and passionate about staying true to the calling that God has given us to be an evangelistic organization. We often describe that we're evangelists that do social action, not social activists that do evangelism. In other words, for us, evangelism is the priority. Because if we help someone out of debt, great. If we help someone find a job, great. If we help someone manage their money, great. But if they don't know Jesus, what are we really doing? So for us, we're passionate about evangelism. Isaiah 61 says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon us to preach Proclaim good news to the poor. Matthew 28, the Great Commission says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Romans 10, verse 13 to 14. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen. But then verse 14 says, How then can they call on the one 
whom they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? We have a responsibility, friends. God is calling us all to be good news, to show good news, and to preach good news to our communities, to our friends, to our families, so that they actually know of the hope that is in us. And so that is what we do. Social action combined with evangelism, empowering the church to help people practically, to bring the good news of Jesus into people's homes. But our kind of value of saving the lost isn't possible without the third part of what we do, which is to work with the church. It's because of the church that we can reach the poor, leading them to Jesus and making disciples. And our heart is to give the local church the tools to build a bridge into the community, to be in the homes of people that, as a church, you may not normally be in, and to have people coming back into the church that may otherwise not normally come in. Jesus says in Scripture, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not overcome it. The church is God's plan. It always has been. The church, which is the body and the bride of Jesus Christ, is God's plan for this nation and for this world. Bill Hybels is a pastor in Chicago. In his book, Courageous Leadership is well known for this statement, the local church is the hope of the world. And we love that because we believe in that. The local church is the hope of the world. The hands and feet, the body and bride of Christ. In his book he goes on to describe the local church like this. There is nothing like the local church when it's working right. Its beauty is indescribable. Its power is breathtaking. Its potential is unlimited. It comforts the grieving and heals the broken in the context of community. It builds bridges to seekers and offers truth to the confused. It provides resources for those in need and opens its arms to the forgotten, the downtrodden, the disillusioned. It breaks the chains of addictions, frees the oppressed, and offers belonging to the marginalized of this world. That is why we work with the local church hope of the world. Then the last part of our mission is to do this across the nation. We believe that this work that we have, that God has entrusted to us, is a gift for the church across the entire nation because there are needs in every single community. We believe that CAP in partnership with the local church is part of God's plan for this nation today. And across this nation, in every community, the needs are huge. 4.9 million Canadians are living in poverty. One in five children in Canada live in poverty. Over 11% of working age Canadians live in relative poverty. 42% of Canadians would struggle to survive if their paycheck was delayed by a week. Unemployment is at 6.7% with 1.3 million people unemployed. 39% of unemployed Canadians have ever, have given up hope of ever being employed again. 39% don't think they'll ever be employed again. And the effects that this has on the lives of our clients is horrendous. Every year, as an international organization, we survey our clients. 27% of our clients said that debt had caused their relationship to break down entirely. 25% of clients missed meals on a regular basis. 
55% of clients visited a family physician. 79% of clients with children said that it affected their ability to provide adequately for their children clothing and food. 38% of clients seriously considered suicide as a way out of debt, with 11% actually attempting suicide and 5% doing so on multiple times. The great news is the church can meet these needs in partnership with CAP in the community. So how are churches currently working with us to help the poor? Well, Pastor Richard referenced it uh, earlier, but I just want to go into a little bit more detail. Firstly, we've got the CAP money course, which I know the church here have been trained to run. The CAP money course is a revolutionary finance course aimed at helping people to build a budget, get it to balance, and then spend wisely. There are online budget resources, training videos, a course book, and it's just six hours of material taught over three sessions. We currently have 78 churches partnering with us to run the course. And in the last 12 months, we've seen nearly 1,500 people go through the course to get in control of their finances. Then we have our debt center work. And for many of our, for many people, cap money is great. But for some, cap money is just not enough. When they're already in crisis, they're already overwhelmed by mounting debts. And that's where our debt center work comes in. And the cap debt center enables the church to reach some of the poorest in their community who are struggling with severe, unmanageable debt. We train an individual from that church who will go and do local advertising and publicity in that local area. And then they will go and see, some, go and see clients in their home. We provide home visits. And then we provide a completely free service to the client. So many, as Pastor Richard said earlier on, the whole credit counseling industry, a lot of it has been built to make money and make profit, which doesn't seem right when you're working with the poorest who can't afford it. As far as we're aware, throughout Canada, we are the only organization of our type providing a completely free service to our clients. We do the credit counseling centrally, and our head office team in Hamilton are qualified to create the budget, negotiate with creditors, provide advice to clients that will free them from a life sentence of debt and poverty. And we have a 21-year history of seeing this model being effective throughout the CAP world, with 93% of clients staying debt-free for up to five years after they've been working with us. 91% of clients would describe the service as life-transforming or a great help. We've seen hydro disconnections and evictions stopped. We've had interest in, and charges stopped and lowered down by credit companies as we stand in the gap to seek justice for some of the poorest in our society. And then the last way that churches are currently running with uh, helping um, the poor in their community is to run a cap job club. Cap job clubs are designed to equip the poor with practical tools necessary to find employment while rebuilding their confidence and self-esteem. The service is aimed at reaching the marginalized, long-term unemployed. That group, the 39% that have long given up hope of ever being employed again. We provide a combination of an eight-week course teaching valuable skills like building a resume, understanding your strengths, how to sell yourself to an employer. You may laugh, but even things like what do you need to wear to an interview? We have to go through that coaching our clients. And then we also do one-on-one -on -one coaching throughout the job club. And then they also have a regular community time that runs throughout the year. And we often see even, even job club members that have found work coming back to that time because that's where they've 
found sense of fellowship and family. Just the other day I heard this story from one of our job club members. She said, I thought I was a loser, a victim, worthless and unlovable, but those are lies. Now I serve people in their homes and businesses. I am fearless. I love myself and love God, and I know that he is using me to encourage others. I have learned a lot at Job Club that has touched, touched every aspect of my life. I could stand here for hours and hours and hours to talk about the work of CAP. I'm not going to, don't worry. I know we have another service after this, and you all want to get home to your, to your Sunday dinner. But to help you understand more, I think it's really important that you can, you can read this book called Nevertheless. This has been written by our founder, John Kirkby. It was based on his diary that he kept for many, many years without telling anyone. It's in, in some parts, it's very raw and emotional as he pours out his heart in, diary, in a diary and journal entries to God. But it covers him finding faith, being supported by the church, but then God calling him to start the organization. All the way from very little support in the early days with a £10 donation was all John started with. All the way through to being now an international ministry impacting tens of thousands of lives every year that even the Queen made a personal donation to the work of CAP in the UK earlier this year. CAP are now influencing government policy in the UK that will benefit the poorest, having a tremendous impact as thousands of people are going debt-free. But more importantly, as we see over a 1,000 clients every year in the UK finding Christ, over here, so far this year, we've seen 14 of our clients find Christ as their personal saviour. It's small, but it's effective. It's God's kingdom. And that will grow, and that will grow, and that will grow, which is what we're most excited about. But this book is an incredible read. One of those faith-